0: And uh, Happy Mother's Day to you, uh, but at the same time, I also know that for some of us, Happy Mother's Day has different feelings attached to it. Uh, maybe for some of us, uh, we're missing our mom. Maybe that's because this is our first Mother's Day or one of our first Mother's Day without our mothers, and it's hard. Maybe some of us were mourning the fact that we're not biological mothers at this point in our life, and I know that's hard as well. Maybe it's just a broken relationship that you're mourning. So I know that Mother's Day carries a lot of different feelings in it for all of us, uh, but at the same time, we do celebrate you, who are mothers, and also those of you who are spiritual mothers, great godly women uh, who've been in our lives, who've made a huge difference. I know for my life, uh, I've had some women who are more mature than me, which isn't hard to imagine, but... Um, throughout my, my journey of following Jesus that have really uh, helped me grow in my faith. And I'm extremely grateful for them. And I know some of you are those people to other people, and we are grateful for you. And the great thing about people is that sometimes people uh, help you along in your journey wherever you are. And sometimes you realize that even though they're wonderful, mature, great people, they don't get everything right. And hopefully you realize that in a gracious way and uh a way that you don't get discouraged when they don't get it right. I can remember there is one wonderful godly woman who was in my life when I was about 18 years old, and uh, she would pray for me often. She was, I guess she was in her, her 40s, which seemed like ancient at that time, but, you know, I'm there now, so it's it's not so bad. Uh, but she would pray for me, and she was someone who really uh, thought a lot of me, so it was great, and I enjoyed spending time with her and her husband and her kids. I babysat her kids. And One time we were talking, and she said, Rob, I know who you're going to marry. I said, Excuse me? She said, God told me who you're going to marry. And I said, Really? And she said, Yeah, I'm absolutely sure God has spoken to me, and this person you're going to marry. And I said, Who is it? She's like, Oh, I can't tell you. I said, Well, that's not helpful. But we talked some more, and then eventually she did tell me, and I said, No. I'm not marrying that person. And I didn't. I really didn't. I I don't even know what that person's doing in their life anymore. But she was convinced, and she's a wonderful godly woman, so don't don't get me wrong. Like this this woman who prayed for me, who read her scriptures, was convinced that God spoke to her and she had a word from God that I was going to marry a certain person who was around my age in our church. And just so happened that there was a few people around my age in our church at the time, so it made sense, right? But she was wrong. And that got me on a little bit of a quest of wonder when God speaks to us, how do we know he's speaking? She was convinced, and she was a mature person, and she was wrong. God was not saying what she thought he was saying. So how do we know when God is speaking to us? What ways does God speak to us? How do we discern, which is a big word, discern when we hear something that it's actually god speaking to us we're going to explore that a bit today and we'll have some time for questions afterwards not too much time because you probably have to get to a brunch or make a brunch and that's fine but we will talk a little bit around what does it mean that god speaks and how do we know God is speaking to us? As we've been in this series called Experiencing God, we've been exploring some basic principles that are found throughout Scripture and have been inspired by a book by Henry Blackaby uh, called Experiencing God, and I've taken some liberties from his book for sure. But uh, David shared last week as well, and we've explored what Scripture is saying about how do we experience God. And the first thing that we recognize is that God is always at work. God is not a God who kind of sits up on a cloud and ignores creation. He's actively involved in his creation all the time. And God is a God who is lovingly pursuing us for a relationship. And as he pursues us in this relationship, and as he desires a relationship with us, he is inviting us to participate in what he's doing in the world around us. And so as he's at work, as he's loving us, he's inviting us to participate in what he's doing. And the thing is that sometimes what he's doing might be a little bit different than what we had in mind, and so we have to wrestle with this crisis of going, I had these plans, but God is doing this work. What do I do with that? And then last week, David shared about how we should be adjusting our life around the reality of God at work in our lives and around us, and how we have that choice to do so. And the best place to be is adjusting our life around Jesus, because we can't follow Jesus and stay where we are, as he said last week. And so this week, we're going to explore, well, if this is true, how do we know what God is doing? How do we know that God is speaking to us in some way so that we know how we have to or how we should be adjusting our lives? So we're going to explore that today. I'm going to share with you five ways I believe that God speaks, and it's not an exhaustive list, so don't take it as an exhaustive list, uh, but it's some inspiration from Scripture, and there's some things we could talk about. There's other ways, too, but these are kind of the basics of what I believe are the consistent ways in which God is talking to most of us. And you might be not most of us. You might have something very unique in your life of how God speaks to you, and that's amazing, but I'm going to try to cover most of us as best I can. So before we do that, let's take a moment to pray. God, I thank you for uh, this morning. I thank you that we get to be together this morning and celebrate uh, our moms, uh, celebrate being a mom uh, with gratitude for the godly women who you've brought into our lives who've been spiritual moms. Uh, And we also get to bring to you whatever we may be feeling that isn't gratitude or maybe is pain and sorrow around this topic and that you are a God who is with us no matter what. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that as we explore some stories in Scripture, uh, we are opening our hearts and our minds to what it is that you have to say to us through this Scripture, uh, that I just share, hopefully, faithfully, what you've uh, been saying to people for millennia. And as we open our hearts and our minds to this, God, help us to uh, see how we have to maybe adjust our thinking Our actions, maybe even our motivations, as we explore these scriptures together. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this is the second last week that we have in this series uh, on experiencing God. And next week, we're going to do something uh, different. Uh, And I don't know how it's going to work yet. So, it's going to be new to me. It's going to be new to you. And you'll have to be here to see why it's new and how it's different. So,. Uh, if you're not here, I'm sorry, um, but if you're online, we'll try and figure out how that works for you as well. But we're going to try to more and more experience God and discern through how he is speaking to us. And so my conviction is that God does speak. You might be in a conviction that says God doesn't speak, but we're going to operate from where I am for this morning. I believe that God is constantly speaking to us. I believe that God Uh, He doesn't shut up. Like Let's just be honest. Like He is going, 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 trying to get our attention. But in a good way. But sometimes we're not hearing. And part of that might be that we don't know how to hear. Part of it might be that we don't know what to be listening for. And so these five ways are ways that I believe that God is consistently, through time, been speaking to us. And the first one is this, is that God speaks through the Bible. He speaks through Scripture. God has spoken, and they're all contained in this wonderful little book, which isn't so little. They're even on your phone sometimes. All of Scripture is words from God to us. Now, they're not all instructions. Sometimes they're stories that unfold, and we see how God was working in people's lives, but they're all useful. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. He says that all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. And now it's important to note that when Paul wrote this, he was particularly talking about the Old Testament which for some of us we're not very familiar with and some of us we try to avoid when we can because we don't get it. But that's the scripture he's talking about. He might have been talking about the Gospels as well. There's a good chance the Gospels were circulating and accepted as scripture at that point. But he wasn't talking about what he was writing, which is what we call scripture. He's talking about what they've had for a long time. Because all of it is useful. Now it doesn't mean that's all useful in the same moment. You can't pick a scripture saying this is my, you know, verse for every situation I find myself in, but it's all useful for different situations, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, because God has already spoken. So the first principle of understanding that God speaks is that we have a written document that shares the speaking of God, how God has spoken through ages. We are at the benefit of being on the latter half of history, that when Paul wrote all Scripture, he meant just the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament, so we have the fullness of the story of Jesus. We have the fullness of the story of the early church and how they wrestled with what it meant to hear God and follow God and experience God. And so we can look at these stories and see how God has worked. So not everything, again, is an instruction, Sometimes it's just a description of what's happened, and we learn from it. Uh, some of you are in the Bible reading thing that we do through the the U version. I think we read Jonah this morning. Um, if you read Jonah, Jonah is not an instruction on what to do. If anything, it's an instruction on what not to do. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, right? Not all of it is a clear saying: do this, don't do this. That's why we need to learn how to read scripture as well. And so if you ever want to go deeper into that, I'm always, always game to talk about that one. Now, the first way God speaks is that he has spoken, and we have it in a written document called scripture. So we need to be spending time with that. We need to be reading it. We need to read the words that are very clearly spoken by God, as well as the stories of how people either listened or didn't listen to God. The second way I believe that God speaks is through prayer. And this one, you know, maybe these sound simple to you, but they're hard to remember sometimes when we're trying to listen to God. You know, Scripture, prayer, if you've been in church for a while, those are kind of key themes about building your life around God. But prayer is this ongoing communication we're intended to have with God. A communication that's not just a list of, here are the things I care about, God, I want you to know, but also a listening time with God where God reveals to us And that's not easy to get to. Sometimes if you've ever tried it, going really quiet, trying to be in silence and pay attention to God, you think of a lot of things and they're not usually God. You get distracted. But prayer is like a muscle. You work it, you train it, and eventually you get to the place where you can start hearing or getting intuition around what God might be speaking, which should line up with Scripture. One of the stories that embodies this is found in the book of Acts, and it comes in In Acts chapter, excuse me, eleven. In Acts eleven, there's a moment where Peter is retelling what had just happened. Uh, Some of you are familiar. Peter uh, is a follower of Jesus. He denies Jesus. Jesus reinstates him. He's kind of leader at one point in some parts of the church, and he ends up going onto a roof and praying. And this is what he how he says what happens. He says, "I was in the city of Joppa praying." And in trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by the four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and I saw four-footed animals to the earth, of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven again, A second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter is wrestling with how do I live out my faith, and in his religious background, he has this understanding that there's certain foods you eat and certain foods you don't eat. We get this from the Old Testament. And he goes up, and he's in this place where they're not following those same rules. And he's like, God, he's in his moments of praying, what do I do? And God reveals to him that what God has made clean cannot be called unclean. So that in his prayer, in his time with God, God spoke to him. Now this is a description of what has happened. This is an example of how God speaks in prayer. If you read through the Old Testament and New Testament, you'll encounter people who are speaking to God in some manner. That's an invitation for all of us to follow. That in prayer, we can be hearing from God. Peter was somewhat unique. It's the early movement of the church. He's trying to figure out how this all works. But you probably are still trying to figure out how this all works. You're probably still trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus in Ottawa? Or maybe you're not from Ottawa. Maybe you're visiting from somewhere, wherever you're from. What does it mean? How do I do it? Guess what? God's sharing with you those ideas. First, it comes through scripture that he's already spoken. And then it comes through this relationship that he's been pursuing with us through prayer. A third way that God uh, often speaks to us is through our circumstances. That there are events that occur that make it obvious that, oh, there's something happening here. And maybe the circumstance is something at work, maybe something at school, maybe it's a natural event that occurs, whatever it might be. Maybe it's just something going on around us. And God speaks through these moments that seem so ordinary, but he's still speaking through them. And again, in the book of Acts, there's a story of the Apostle Paul. Paul, and we're going to talk Paul again in a few minutes, but Paul was formerly someone who hated the Christians, has this conversion experience, and then he starts preaching to people, sharing about who Jesus is and why it makes a difference, why they should believe, and how they do it. And so he wrote to Timothy. He wrote much of our New Testament, what we call Scripture. And at one point in Acts 17, he goes to a place that is known for philosophical debates. And so he's going in this place where people would share their ideas about different things that they believe. And in that environment, he starts to share about who Jesus is to an audience who aren't really interested in Jesus, but are really interested in what is the newest Coolest ideas coming out of philosophy. And so in Acts 17, verse 26, he writes as he's speaking to this crowd, he says, For one man, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets said, we are his offspring. Paul was explaining to this audience through the story of Abram, which comes from uh, Genesis 11, that God has appointed all these circumstances around us. And that's one of the ways God is speaking to us. We might think it's a coincidence. We might think it's nothing. But God might be using these events... To speak into our lives and share something, but again, is it? Are we listening to it? Are we paying attention to it, or do we just think it's coincidence? A fourth way, and this is one of my personal favorites, uh, is in creation. I strongly believe that God speaks to us through creation, um, and this is comes in different ways. In the Book of Romans, Paul will talk about how uh, we're without excuse because God's made His invisible properties known. Uh, but the song, in the Psalms, David wrote, in Psalm 19, he wrote this. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes into all of the earth, and the words to the end of the world." and the heavens of God has pitched a tent for the sun. David understood that the world around him spoke of God. Sometimes we lose touch of that. God created everything. It's a firm belief I have. Exactly how that all worked out, I'm still trying to figure out. But I trust that he did, and he created things unique and good, and he invites us to care for that creation. And it's through that creation sometimes he's speaking to us. I know one of the ways that I most connect with God and when I most hear God is when I'm alone in nature. When I'm borrowing a friend's cottage and I get to be by the river or I walk through the woods. Those moments are where I can hear God the most. But it's also through his creation that he's spoken to me. I can remember a time in my life where I was going through a very difficult time trying to figure out, a lot of things in my life, as we sometimes are. I was, I think, 19 at the time, and I was walking home from work, and I was walking down this road that I never really walked down. It was this this really nice neighborhood, and they had these large, large trees, and all of these pine cones had fallen on the road, and it was like just this massive army of pine cones. And I was looking at the pine cones, and I was praying, and I noticed that all the pine cones were kind of standing up. And it was like in those moments that I had with God as I was praying because I was having a frustrating time, God was very much saying, like, even when you're falling, I'm holding you up. And he was using, and it sounds so silly, pine cones to tell me that. Sometimes God is using nature to speak to us in some way that we need to just be attentive to. It doesn't mean we worship nature. We worship the one who created nature. But it means we pay attention to what he created because he might be wanting to speak to us. And the fifth one I want to say, and this is a really important one, is people. Um, and now I told the story of someone who said they were speaking for God, and they were not. So yes, that happens. But I think people is important because people isn't necessarily that God initiates speaking through people, but I believe that God is reinforcing through people what he's already spoken to you. And this is what I mean by that. There's a good chance, because God is always talking, God is always speaking to us in some way, sometimes with words, sometimes not, that there's something that you've had an inkling towards. There's something that you've wondered, is this something God is up to? Is this how God is at work? Is this what God is inviting me to? There's something there. And maybe you're good at ignoring it. And maybe you have ignored it. Maybe you said, "Ah, not today, God. i got better things to do. There's a good chance if you've been effectively ignoring those other four ways that God might be speaking to you, he is bringing people into your life to say the very thing you've been ignoring. More often than not, God speaks through other people randomly. You don't expect it to reinforce something he's already been saying. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in some of your lives. As we've had conversations, you've said, hey, You're like the fourth person who said that to me. And I said, why have four people said this to you and you've done nothing about it? God uses us, his church, to speak to each other. It's whether or not, again, we're listening and we're willing to listen. I see this in the story of Paul's conversion. There's this amazing story that happens in the book of Acts. As I mentioned, Paul used to persecute the church. He encounters Jesus through a vision on the road, goes blind, Everybody fears Paul, and in chapter uh, 9 of the book of Acts, verse 6, God speaks to Paul and says, now get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And at the same time that God is speaking to Paul, God is speaking to others, and he speaks to Ananias, and he's speaking to Ananias, and he's telling Ananias, hey, you are going to go and meet this guy Paul. And Ananias says, no, Paul will kill me if I go, or Saul at that point, will kill me if I go see him. And God says, I'm speaking to you right now. You're going to go. And so he goes. And in verse 17, it says this, and Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing the hands on Saul, his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled by the Holy Spirit. God used Ananias to reinforce what he was saying to Paul on that road. In the same way, God uses people in your life. They could be friends. They could be people sitting next to you right now. They could be people you don't know to reinforce what he's already been saying to you. God is speaking. We're just not always listening. So we need to be looking to Scripture where he's already spoken, where he's, he's laid it out clear for us. This is what I invite you into. We need to understand contextually what those things mean and see how we apply them. He's also been speaking to us as we go to him. Maybe we go to him with those scriptures we're not sure what to do of. Go, how does this make sense? Which essentially is what Peter did on that roof, saying, God, I know your scripture. It says, you know, don't eat camel. I'm not going to eat camel. And God says, don't call that unclean if I say it's clean. So we bring our scriptures to God and pray through it but also through our moments in life because God has been working through them to get our attention. We just need to be paying attention. And through his creation, and it's all being reinforced by each other, which is a great gift of being a church, is that you have other people who are paying attention to what God is saying and hopefully are going to be saying it to you so you can be reminded. So the question should go to, so if God is always speaking, which I believe he is, how do we know it is God who is speaking? How do we know that it's not just some person coming up to me saying, God told me, which I'm sure it's happened to you because it's happened to me. It happens a lot. That's a really unhealthy thing to do, by the way. So if you think God is speaking to you, I'm going to encourage you say, don't go, hey, God's told me to tell you, because that's really just not, it's a power dynamic thing. It's not good. So how do we know if God is speaking? There's going to be three things I want to say. First thing is, We've got to look to Scripture. God will not contradict himself. Is what you think God is saying to you, whether you've had an audible voice, maybe you've had a mountaintop experience, as I say, maybe you've seen a burning bush, maybe people have told these things to you, maybe you saw creation and it spoke to you in some way, does it go against what he's already said? If it does, that's not God. If you're not sure, keep reading. Does it go against Scripture? Scripture, God has already spoken. He's laid it out for us. We need to go to that first. That needs to be what you use as your source for understanding of what is being said, and if it's from God. The other thing is I'm going to say is church teaching. Now, when I say church teaching, this could sound like, oh, it's a cult, but it's not. I'm not talking about our church. Actually, I'm not talking about any church that you probably go to now. What is the historical teaching of the church on a topic? There is wisdom in the ages. If people have believed stuff for 2,000 years and all of a sudden someone's saying, no, that's not the way it is, you should question that. What has been the teaching on the topic that you're exploring? Maybe you've read the scripture and you're like, I'm not sure, God. I'm not sure what this says, really. Okay, what is the church taught? You might find there's conflicting views over history, but there's generally speaking a consistent voice in the history of the church for a very long time. What is that voice? This means learning history. This means go a little bit deeper. And the third thing, is you need to get wise counsel. You've read your scriptures, you've looked at, you know the desert fathers and mothers, so that's the early church leaders you go. going, okay, they've said all these things. I'm still not sure what to do with it. Who is somebody you really trust that you know has an intimate relationship with Jesus? Talk to them. Go for wise counsel. It could be someone in this church. It could be someone outside of this church. What do they say? Bring your uncertainty to them. You know, I think God is saying that I need to sell all my possessions and move to Somewhere. Okay, what does Scripture say about that? Okay, well, there's this verse about selling all your possessions. Okay, what did the early church teach about that? What did the church, church teach through history? Oh, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Go to somebody and ask them. Have a prayerful conversation with them. God might be speaking to you, and you might not be sure what it means. I've had those moments as well. But the best way to try and figure that out is to first go to Scripture. Look at the story of the church. How has pe- how people understood this through time? There's wisdom in our history. And then find the wisdom around you the contemporary wisdom, people who you know who have an intimate relationship with Jesus, who are exploring these very things and want to know. God is speaking to you. It's up to you to listen, but it's also up to you to understand. And so taking that extra step is important because then you can act and know that you're experiencing God in a way that he's inviting you to. So we're going to do a couple questions before I pray. Anybody have anything they're curious about? Because I said a bunch of things. around the topic of hearing God or how God speaks, or maybe you've had experiences. Maybe you'd like to share a way that God has spoken to you in the past. I'd love to hear it. Yes, Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, that's a really great question, Jessica. So, like, the statement I made was that if what I think God is saying to me goes against Scripture, I should not trust what I think God is saying to me because Scripture should be my base of understanding. Uh, but the point is, in the story I brought up about Peter, is that he was basically re-understanding Scripture in a different way um, than what, you know, basically doing what I said don't do kind of thing. And I think there's some differences that... that you know, so I would say again, historically, kind of look at why this is a difference. I think the movement of the early church was significant of what was happening there and how they were understanding it, but also an understanding of how they applied and interpreted the law, uh, and the movement of of Jesus in that community and why it changed. And I think you know, there's there's good things to kind of question in our own faith of like, are there things that we need to move away from that are maybe cultural and not necessarily as scriptural as we think because I think that's more of the issue there. The other significant difference is why they were told not to eat and why they were allowed to eat, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. It was that through the work of Christ on the cross, they were no longer bound to cleanliness laws, right? So he is, his reinterpretation is through the lens of Christ. And so that's a significant difference. And so I think in the same way, if maybe we're being told something, uh, and we have this question of, like, am I being told something? Am I looking at it through a lens of Christ's atoning act, like what Jesus did on the cross? Does that change it? And then I would say it shouldn't from the New Testament because the New Testament already has that in mind, and it's already working with that perspective. And so I think that's a significant difference, that we do have that other part of the story that Peter didn't have. They were writing that part at that point. And so my voice of caution would be is, okay, maybe you go against something that's in the Old Testament. Well, what does the New Testament say about it? And I think that's what a lot of people forget to do, is they look at an Old Testament text, which was actually not written to us at all, um, unless you're a person of Jewish historical ancestry. Um, but we're engrafted people in the New Testament. And so what does the New Testament teach on this, and how do we understand it? Does it go against what was written in the Old Testament, or does it reinforce it? I think that's important. And I think, again, it's always through a lens of Christ that Jesus is the one who redefined things uh, because Jesus is actually the one who made that statement of around cleanliness and food about how it's not about what you consume that makes you unclean. It's you know what comes out of you that makes you unclean. And so he reinterpreted that for them as opposed to Peter just saying, nah, we can eat camel or lobster, which would be way better than camel. I've never had camel, so I can't speak yeah. to that. Does that make sense? Okay, I hope that's helpful. Norm? Uh, Two comments. First is regarding that question. Uh, The other thing is, Peter had to present to the rest of the church. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Norm. Thanks for sharing that. Yes, absolutely. What a significant difference in uh, the New Testament text is that when they reinterpreted, they they argued over it. And like they fought through it. They wrestled with it. There was counsels. And that's part of the story of Christianity is they had counsels over and over and over again and tried to wrestle with, okay, is this really God's work? How do we understand it? And again, going back to Scripture as the base. And the other point that you made of, of that God sometimes speaks to you through dreams, that's definitely one of the ways that some of us, uh, have experienced God speaking to us, and it's great to have that lens of interpretation too. That some dreams are just dreams, and then how do you figure out which dreams are not just dreams, and you know what story is it telling you? So I'm sure if anybody has some questions around dreams, maybe Norm, you can share your own experience. I know other people have that as well. Uh, the, uh, uh- It's very cool. Thanks, Norm. And that's one of the great things I think about God is that he speaks to you in a way that you will listen. But you still have to make the effort to listen. Because you could ignore your dream. You could ignore someone else saying something. You could ignore Scripture. But still, you you have to put that effort in. But God is continuously speaking. So thank you, Norm, for sharing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. cool Great. thank you norm for sharing any other questions one more before we pray and you can have your brunches or come down for coffee that's always good too anything else yes thanks sylvie That's great. That's great that you took that moment in time to hear of God's love for you. Fantastic. And it's good that there was no, like, controversial message that he was sharing either. It was just simple, like, God loves you. Because then you're like, yeah, that's absolutely God. He does. (laughs) All right. Well, let's take a moment to pray. As I said, next week we're going to conclude the series, and we're kind of going to look at what it means to experience God together as a church. Uh, And... um, It'll just be a little bit different and a little bit more interactive, so uh, I look forward to you being there. At least I think it'll be. I don't really know yet. It's next week. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, Let's just worry about today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the gift it is to be your church, to be uh, invited to participate this morning uh, in worship by singing songs that reflect uh, who you are and what you mean to us by searching scriptures to try and understand how you speak and invite us to hear you, and from hearing each other's questions and stories of how you've spoken. I pray this morning that our hearts and our minds are just open to uh, searching the scriptures, to know you more, and to see what you have to say to us so that we could participate in what you're doing in this world. Wherever we find ourselves after the service, Lord, help our hearts and our minds just to be turned to you and just attentive to the ways that you may be speaking to us, even in the most ordinary of circumstances or through people that maybe we don't even expect in ways we don't expect. Help us to expect the unexpected, Lord. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.